You're listening to the TNT Effect, the athletes podcast. This is the podcast where athletes discuss their journey and sports professionals talk about how they support these athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Tierra Roll. Let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm speaking with high-performance coach, Dewan Riggins. What's up, D? Hey, T. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Now, we go way back. Way we back. We do. We do. Good friends, colleagues. Yeah, it's been, what, like 14 years now? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. At, at that time, I was, what, a sophomore um, mm-hmm. working on my undergrad degree in athletic training. And we connected because I needed a work-study job. (laughs) And so, I mean, that's how we really, really connected. I mean, we were going to, like, work together eventually anyway. But we connected, and I I was doing, like, administrative stuff for you or something like that. And so at that time, you were assistant strength coach, right? Absolutely. And what led you to, first of all, how did you get the job? And how did you get into strength strength training and just up until where you are now? Oh, wow. So um, I was thinking about that yesterday um, because I I have a little hiatus in my career right now. Um, But long story, to make a long story short, I was always an athlete. I always enjoyed athletics. And I knew from a young age that I did not want to do something that required me to dress up every single day and be, you know, uh, quote unquote, sophisticated. I wanted to wear my sneakers. I, I was the tomboy and just enjoyed being comfortable at work. So I knew I wanted to get in that that field or something in athletics. And so when I was at the University of Florida, I actually tracked for an entire year to be <laughs> I know, I know. I, know. Um, I, I tracked um, for an entire year to be an athletic trainer and um, a lot of respect for the job, but I, I knew it didn't really fit me. Um, but I was able to kind of um, work on the strength and conditioning side or with uh, strength and conditioning coaches through athletic training and realized that I enjoyed that aspect of sports performance a little more. Um, so I, I reached out once I graduated, uh, graduated from UF, reached out to FSU about an internship, um, you know, and I did my internship for a semester and a position opened up. So I went in, oh my goodness, young, wet behind the ears, <laughs> you know, afraid and, and I'm like, I'm, I'm getting ready to work with like real high caliber athletes. So it was a little intimidating. Um, but uh, again, great opportunity for me, great experience for me. And so, you know, uh, about 10 years later, I'm here with my own company. I've had opportunities to work within the city with uh, collegiate teams, high school teams, and just, it's just a great opportunity to be where I am now. So great experiences. So when you were at Florida State, you worked with men's and women's swimming and diving, mm-hmm. soccer and softball. Is that correct? And softball. Yep. You got it. Okay. And so programming for D1 collegiate or and you also worked at FAMU too, working with some of their other teams, mm-hmm. softball, volleyball, tennis, right, and, uh, basketball. And so programming for college level athletes versus your youth level athletes. Tell us a little bit how that worked. 
Right. So, you know, I have learned over the years and I think in any profession, you kind of learn what your philosophy is. Right. So with all of the science that goes into it, you know, it's important for me to simplify it because, you know, at the end of the day, as coaches, we have to be able to articulate what we need to get across to our uh, student athletes. So all of the science jargon, they don't care about that stuff. So I say that to make this point. It comes down to movement understanding how to move. And so when you're working with um, adolescent student athletes, uh, they're still learning their body, still learning how to move and do basic movements. But the fun thing about working with collegiate athletes is they've mastered a lot of those movements, those what I call primal movements. And so it gives me an opportunity to be a little more um, aggressive with them, uh, assertive in, in my coaching style, assertive in the movements, and also at that level, be more sports specific, right? So there may be things that um, dry land uh, athletes may need more of that, you know, than swimmers may need. So it gave me an opportunity to be really uh, creative in that sense. And you have specific team needs as well as individual needs. So when you're trying to marry the two, how do you navigate marrying those two different needs? And they may be different. Right. No, absolutely. I think, you know, the biggest challenge with collegiate athletes is time. You know, their their time is is very it's very, you know, walked out. They have a time when they have to go to school, when they have to train and specifically when you're working with coaches, they want their practice time. Right. So one of the things that, you know, was very important, you'll probably get to this is the. Um, the relationship between myself, the coaches, the athletic trainers to make sure we are creating general plans and goals for those student athletes, but to be able to uh, look at each athlete's needs as well. So we may have freshmen that come in that need to build a little more strength. Uh, We may have uh, veteran athletes that just may need to maintain or what have you. We may have injured athletes that are coming back, trying to get them back um, into their sports. So all of those individual nuances and needs um, are very important to make sure we're communicating with our coaches, the student athletes, um, because they will articulate what their needs and their goals are in our athletic trainers. So it's, it's, it's organic, but it's extremely fluid as well. And when you're managing an athlete who's coming back from um, injury, what does that look like between you working with the sports medicine staff and then also getting that, that, that athlete back into training so they can get back to sports performance? Right. That's a great question. It really depends on, um, I would say, the injury. Um, it, It may be something, you know, that had someone out for two weeks and it may have been an injury that had someone out for six months. Again, that process is very organic, um, but it's very fluid. So it's not just a trade-off from the athletic trainer to the strength and conditioning coach. We're going back and forth to see what those needs are. So let's say the athlete is ready to return to the field, Um, not full go, but they're ready to kind of take steps to to get there. So that's what I go back to. um, Let's let's go ahead and um, 
to go ahead and evaluate their, their movement patterns. How are they moving? How are they running? What do those mechanics look like? And then we get into the sports aspect of it. That was really fun for me. Let's say if I'm working with a soccer athlete, um, and I, I, I think it's you know great motivation for that student athlete as well. Let's get the soccer ball involved in, in the, the speed aspect of it or the conditioning aspect of it, because that's what they're going to see, getting those touches in and, and making that mental and that physical connection is very important. So I had to have a great, it was very important for me to have a great relationship with the athletic trainer, as well as the student athlete to make sure I'm staying within my protocol, but saying, hey, we may need to take a step back or we may need to amp it up a little bit. Lots of communication between the the three of us and and the coaches as well. Definitely, for sure, because that is, um, you all have to work together as a team to manage getting this athlete back to where they need to be to compete. Absolutely. And now working with your female athletes versus your male athletes. Mm-hmm. Did you work with male athletes at all? I know you work some with the male, for sure, the your younger youth athletes, but um, how was that working with male and female? You know, I think most would be surprised. I think it depends on the level. Um, if I'm working with very small kids, then you have typically, and, and I think it progresses as they get older as well. And I, I guess it's just a biological thing or a physiological thing. The boys tend to be more aggressive and assertive, ready to go. But as you ramp it up, once we get to the collegiate level, they're just as assertive, as aggressive as the guys. And so, um, again, my philosophy and my approach, I try not to see them as male, female. I see them as student athlete because you know, we can speak in general terms, but it goes back to what you asked me before. Every student athlete is going to be different. So I may have a female athlete that's bigger, faster, stronger than, you know, that male athlete. So I I can't go in and say male or female, but I would say as a broad, you know, stroke in terms of a difference, I think for me, because I'm a female, I love engaging the mental. I love getting my student athletes together and just chatting it up. The girls tend to like that a little more than the guys. The guys just like to get after it. Yeah, they just want to get straight to the point. They just want to get straight to the point. So it's interesting. I would say that's the biggest difference in the dynamics. A lot of times I start with getting here and talking through things with our girls or our female student athletes and then going to the physical where a lot of times if I'm working with the all males team, it's just get them going and then we'll kind of circumvent and, and or uh, kind of circle back around to discussing things. But that's a broad, a very broad statement. But I think generally speaking, I, I approach them the same. How do they move? Uh, let's get after it. Be confident in what you're doing, male or female. It doesn't matter. Okay, so working with those athletes who have body image issues, mm. how do you coach those athletes? That typically, and and not to say I've I've had experiences with male athletes as well, um, where there are body images and issues, um, uh, and and we won't go into details about eating disorders and all of those things, but typically with the female uh, student athlete, I've had to address those when you talk about that, that female triad and dealing with how they see themselves. And that's why I go back to having those conversations. I find that Um, especially young female athletes, getting them in a huddle, getting them one-on-one to discuss um, um, things that lead up to the physical aspect, but how do they see themselves? Because I found that a lot of times our girls um, may lack, again, this is a general comment um, or statement, 
that our girls may lack the assertiveness or the aggression. A lot of that comes just from a confidence thing. But once we get them going, once we talk through, you know, how, how they look, how they see themselves, then we're actually able to get into the, the student athlete mode and get them going. But we address all of those things. I'm a very honest person because I think that I address um, sports performance from a holistic point. Uh, a view. And that's important. How do you view yourself, uh, male or female, because that's going to affect your your sports performance. So we do address those is- issues. So for those who may not know what that holistic viewpoint entails, explain what that means. Absolutely. I see people as people first. That's my heart. My heart is to get to know the people that I'm working with. Uh, it's very hard for me to separate, you know, just the, the coach and the science and let's get after it over here. But I believe that in getting to know and, and communicating well with it, the athletes that I'm working with, it makes it so much easier um, to address the sports performance aspect of it. So I spend a lot of time talking about how do you view yourself? Uh, the confidence. I talk a lot about accountability. I talk a lot about working hard and putting in the effort. I talk a lot about uh, failure or what that looks like. How do you respond to not playing or competing well? All of those things, um, you know, uh, involve the sports performance aspect. And we're trying to get them to a point where they perform well. So that's not just a physical aspect. I've seen it so many times where I've worked with very athletic very gifted student athletes, they don't perform well. And then I've seen those kids who may not be as gifted, you know, on the playing field, but they perform well because they've addressed all of those other things. How do they treat their teammates? I watch and I I address all of that. What's your body language like, right? Um, you know, are, are you are you listening to your coaches? I think all of those things, and that's what I mean by holistic, because they're athletes. We have to address all of those things so that the physical aspect becomes that much easier. And we all play specific roles, but at the same time, we have to, we play multiple roles at the same mm-hmm. time. Even though we're not, um, we may not be trained specifically in say sports psychology we may not be trained as a dietitian or or etc but we have some level of education surrounding all those different components that impacts the athlete and so it's important that we're able to identify those things right and refer when necessary Absolutely. I think that is an awesome point. That's that's nail on the head, T, because uh, I, I ride my lane. I stay in my lane and I'm the first one that tells you, hey, I, I you know, I know I don't know as much as I need to about that. So let me refer you to and honor a person who's actually gotten their certification or their license or their background is in that. But I agree with you. I think that's a great point. I have Um, made it my business to learn some aspect of all of those things that you talked about because it's sports performance, right? I think it is, um, we we wouldn't do um, our student athletes a great service if we didn't have the background or the wherewithal to address all of those things when we're then focusing on our, our lane. Right. So when I'm in the weight room, when I'm dealing with the the speed aspect of it, what have you, and I have a kid who's who's hampered with an injury, there's some level that I need to know in terms of protocol so that I know how to to move them in this direction so we can get you back on onto the field. So great point. Yeah. And and, um, speaking of like certifications, now you've 
you know, have you have education at various levels and mm-hmm. different certifications, your CSCS and all those different things. You've also done some like some fitness training. Mm-hmm. Tell us the difference between someone is, who is NSCA certified versus someone who just trains people. You know, they just go in the gym and say, hey, I like working out. So I just want to train people. Sure. I, I think the biggest difference is evidence-based research. So we're going through an organization that has all of the resources that you've just talked about. There's a lot of education and resource that is backed by an organization like the NSCS, uh, ACSM. Um, Those certifications are important because they're doing two things. They are um, holding individuals accountable because we're working with people uh, and they're keeping you on top of the latest you know, research. They're, they're always challenging forward thinking. So while I think it, um, you know, it, it is great to have a background and a love and a desire to work out, that certification is really going to stretch now your, um, your book knowledge, right? So that we are, um, we are translating that to our clients or our student athletes. I think it's very important. I agree, especially when you're training, uh, what, when you're training anybody, but also going into training youth athletes specifically, there's mm-hmm. always a conversation around when an athlete should start, a young athlete should start strength training. Right. And from that aspect, at what age do you think that it's best to start that strength training? And strength training isn't just lifting weights. Sure, sure. Um, You know, I have had the opportunity for about eight years to teach PE, physical education at a school. And I would say, and this is why I go back to primal movement patterns. I would say as, as soon as a kid is able to walk and move, they are beginning to understand uh, movement patterns that lead to now the specificity of, you know, strength training, getting in the weight room and all of those things. But as soon as they're moving around, you know, that's why we have jungle gyms. That's why we have playgrounds. People don't understand that, that the weight room is just the adult's playground, right? So, uh, you know, I I would encourage parents to get out and and move with their kids, get going, because that's going to lay the foundation to now getting into more sports-specific or functional-specific movements, So, you know, if you're asking me about strength training, getting into the weight room, well, let's start with, you know, backpacks. You know, parents ask me all the the time, you know, I don't think they should be lifting weights when they have 20 pounds on their back every single day. So to give them that understanding that it's not just about going and loading the weights, but just like anything else, there's a progression to this. So if we can get parents or anyone to understand the foundation of movement, that goes from once the child starts to, to crawl, you know, there is a progression up to this. And so if we, um, you know, it's, it's our job, I think as uh, professionals, not to convolute our field with all of the research and you should and should not. So let's go back to the basics. How are people moving? And then you progress from there and then you get more specific as you go from there. So start them, start them early, start them early. So once you master movement patterns, then we can start loading. Absolutely. All right. And what are some common misconceptions that people have about strength training, speed training, agility training, all of that? More is better. (laughs) More is better. 
You know, I gotta, I gotta lift more weights. I gotta do this crazy drill that I saw on, you know, Instagram. And and I have learned because I was that person, you know, you're young in this and you're you have all of these ideas and and again things can get convoluted. So I the, the misnomer is that, you know, you you've got to lift all of these heavier weights, but you hit the nail on the head. Once you've mastered a, a movement pattern, then we can start loading. But let's get people back to mastering movements. Um, another misnomer is that, um, is that uh, I, I've seen in the field or, you know, it's turning almost into marketing industry is who trainers are tied to. Who do they, they know? So they must be the, the best trainer or what have you. And I always encourage people, just do your research and make sure again that people are going back to the basics because you can work with someone who uh, has no gym at all, or you can work with someone who just came out of college, but they have the understanding of basic skills. That's what you're looking for, for someone to make you a better overall student athlete. And identify when your technique is off and correct it the right way. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just about to say not being, that's a good point. Not being afraid, I think a lot of times because we want to go bigger, go heavier. You you know, you, you got to lift more that we can't be afraid to take weights off the bar. We can't be afraid to have, you know, that 250 pound linesman or I, I don't know if linesman or 250 pounds, but a big linesman just lift with the bar, Right. Yeah. Let's, let's take the load off. I want to see how you squat because that's going to show me a lot about how you should, even with that bar, how you're shifting, how you may be rotating your hip hips. We can see all of that with the bar, but a lot of times loads can, can mask some issues. Then we start getting into injury. So that's why it's our job um, to make sure we're doing what you just stated um, to make sure we're diminishing that risk of injury, making sure people are moving correctly. Mm -hmm. And not only lows can mask um, those improper movement patterns, mm -hmm. but the speed of moving the load too. Because a lot of times Absolutely. people try to go quick to get through it. And you know, once you slow them down, you see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're exactly right. It's interesting as well. Um, one thing that I've started to incorporate, and I learned this working with uh, Coach Krikorian at uh, FSU, once you start to implement, uh, let's say conditioning or what have you, once you start to implement that ball, things change, right? So you can get that kid that's fast. Oh man, they run from A to B really fast. Let's get them on a zigzag now. Let's get them to decelerate. Let's get them to incorporate a ball and run 20, 20 feet ahead and see what, what you know, what uh, compensatory movements they have then, so. And I would say another, um, another one would be no pain, no gain. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's a good one. All the time, you hear it all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. But it goes back to, again, that's why it's holistic T that you have some basic knowledge of all of those things. Not that we're trying to be a jack of all trades, but having some knowledge of that, because if someone is experiencing pain through a movement pattern, let's let's take a step back. Let's let's address that. So now we can build a machine the right way. Great point. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
Um, what impacts have you made on the athletes that you've worked with, or at least that you strive to make? You know, I when you speak of impact, I, the only impact that I can see is the feedback that I get. Um, you know, I can think in my mind, I can hype myself all day long in my mind. <laughs> but I, I think it's important that you get feedback. You know, I, it was interesting. I was talking to a student athlete that I had years ago at Florida State, and I still have them call or Facebook and, you know, um, uh, text me uh, or through Instagram and say, Coach, I remember when you made us do this, and now I'm a coach, and now I implement this thing. I think one of the the, the things that – one of the biggest impacts that I've made is about um, details, paying attention to details, and – taking pride in what you do. Something as simple as if I'm working with the softball team and you're getting ready to go on the field that we're training on, those gloves need to be lined up. The attention to detail, because again, it goes back to how you approach a thing, how you approach training, how you view yourself. And so that's the impact that I've gotten from a lot of the student athletes. Um, I have a, a reputation for being no nonsense. Is it true? It, it is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it is true. No nonsense. But I would say that's the impact, T, that, you know, they knew that I love them, though. You know, my student athletes and my clients, they know that I love them because I spend so much time building relationships so that when I'm getting on them, when I'm talking to them about, about taking pride and hustling to the next station and paying attention to the details, touching the line, it's a line down there for a reason. You're an inch off of it. That's a mentality. You're going to cut that play short. You're not going to play defense all the way through to the bucket. Right. So I think that is the biggest impact that I've had. Um, it, again, based on the feedback that I've, I've received. But I think overall, my hope is the greater impact that I hope that I've had on everybody that I encounter is that they work to the greatest or the, 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 the widest and the deepest ability that God has given them. That's why I push people so hard to be the very best that you can be. That is so good. Yeah. That's so good. That that little piece you said about the line, yeah. that's the mentality. You're going to cut that play short. You're not going to hustle. That's good. It, it matters. It ma and I don't, I don't, I, until this day, I've, you know, I've always been like that, but until this day, that drives me up the wall because it, it it's a mentality. It matters. And even because I take pride in what I do as a coach, if I allow that, that's a reflection of me. Right. So I address it. And, and what it does is it creates a pride. You can tell the way that the kids walk into the, the training sessions with me. There's a pride about what they do because they know that we're here to work and we're here to, to, to get better. Mm. What are some recommendations that you would give younger athletes who aspire to compete at a higher level? That's a great question. Um, if they're looking to compete at the highest level and they're serious about what they're doing, I would um, really encourage them to get with their parents and articulate that to their parents. 
because what their parents are going to do if they have the means and the ability and if they're in agreement with it, their parents are going to seek out programs that are going to be specific for their desire to go to the next level. So it's, it's going to go from, you know, just recreation to now we're getting a little more serious. But what I would suggest as well, I hear a lot of student athletes say that this is what they want, but they're not willing to put in the time and the sacrifices to get there. So my challenge to them is don't just talk about it. Now there's another level to this. What's going to separate you from the other person that says they want to go and compete at the next level? You have to be serious about what you're doing. Be disciplined about what you're doing. There may be some weekends, depending on the level that you're at, that you don't get to just hang out with your buddies. I think there should be a balance in that, and we may get to that um, later and not, um, you know, uh, burning the kids out, but making those sacrifices again for that next level, because it's a very small percentage that gets to that next level. Right. There are kids, thousands of kids all over this nation. Mm-hmm. And then also in other countries yeah. that you may have to compete for a spot. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and so you have to go the extra to get to the top level and Absolutely. to be successful and to stay there for as long as possible. Absolutely. 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 Putting the work in. I, I can't tell you how many student athletes, and I'm honest, T, I, I have real conversations uh, with my student athletes because I want them, and, and parents as well, because I want them to understand what it takes. You know, it's going to take you, again, depending on the level, you being serious about working out. And, and getting in the weight room and, and pushing your body to be a little stronger, pushing your body to be a little um, uh, more efficient. It's going to take that dedication. So if they're about it, hey, get after it and stick with it. When it gets tough, that's not the time to bail out. I'm seeing a lot of that with our student athletes, this new wave of, of student athletes and social media, this quick microwave society, yep. you know. That that work ethic, you you, you got to dig in and really want what you say that you want. So it's it's possible, um, but yeah, you're gonna have to make some sacrifices. And what does an in season and out of season, the whole progression, preseason, in season, post season, all of that, what does that look like? Sure. I would say, um, again, just a broad stroke. You have your out of season. That's the time when you're really building that engine. You're building that machine. That's the time where we're getting the kinks out, where we're identifying um, uh, poor movement patterns. That's the time where we can fix some things. That's the time where we can get stronger. That's the time where we're building their mentality, really challenging their their heart, challenging their why. Uh, Again, challenging their physical body, challenging how they compete. So we're preparing now for season. In season, I like to think of it as this, you know, people talk about maintaining or what have you. When, once you get in season, there's not a whole lot we can do as sports performance trainers in terms of just getting after it like we would in the off season. I use those moments in the weight room or when we're doing 15 minutes um, agility before practice or what have you. That's more of a mental thing for, for those student athletes, right? For them to stay fast or to feel fast and to feel quick or to feel like they're still moving weights around or what have you. So, you know, the general term is a maintenance type deal during the season because the focus is on the skill set. 
they're in season and they also need time for their bodies to recover. Uh, postseason again is one of those recovery things. You you give your body an opportunity to kind of recover, um, so that we start that cycle again. And recovery isn't doing nothing. It's more <laughs> right. Active thing. Active recovery. <laughs> active recovery. So we don't, just don't want to go cold turkey and do absolutely nothing for six, eight weeks. It's an opportunity for you to, yes, rest your body, but still stay fluid. If, even if it's going bike riding, um, I love to encourage student athletes to get away from the sport. You know, if you're a football player, if you're a basketball player, go swim. You know, if you're a swimmer, um, go jogging. You know, all of those things to get come your mind. Come on. Wait. Those swimmers are too good on their feet now. <laughs> oh, no, no, I get it. I get it. No, no I'm, I'm just joking with you. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. They're used to swimming. But um, again, so there's no mental fatigue and burnout to give them um, something else to, to look for. Now, once obviously you get to be a collegiate athlete, you stick to one. Typically, you stick to one sport. But that's why I always encourage kids and parents to be multiple sport athletes so that you don't have that mental burnout. You have an opportunity to kind of take a step away from it, give yourself a new perspective, and then you're able to go into that off-season training ready, ready to go again. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I made the joke about the, the swimmers because they are great in the water, but they are terrible on land for some oh, yeah. reason. When I was working with the uh, swimming and diving team, uh-huh. like they would get injured from doing simple things like oh. somebody like spraining an ankle, just getting yeah. on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. They do dry land trainer, I guess, unless you have a, a very athletic uh, swimmer. And we could probably say the same thing cross sport. You know, our basketball players may not be very good at, you know, basic basic jar cross country going on trails and things like that. So no, that is funny. Um, but I, you know, it, it's interesting working with our swimmers. I, I work with at Florida state period. I just had an opportunity to um, be exposed to much of what you're talking about now, the differences in the sports and all of those. So that is one of them understanding your student athletes and knowing what, what they can and, and aren't very good at. Any last words before we part? Uh, sure. I think you you mentioned it a little bit. Um, just the I, I think it's important for us at the end of the day to remember our why. Um, a lot of times as coaches and individuals in this field, um, the focus can you know be on us. But I think it's so important to have a network of coaches, um, strength and conditioning coaches, um, skills coaches, athletic trainers, physical therapists, um, mental training coaches, all of us working together because at the end of the day, it's about building the best athlete, optimizing their performance. And so we've got to be able to drop our ego, ride our lane, learn our lane, do our lane very well, but to also be able to extend our arms and say, hey, how can we help? collectively make this student athlete the best sounds great and where can people find you if they want to link up with you on social media or um, through your website absolutely so my main website is driggins.com and that's more of a hub to um, other websites and things that I'm working on um, with the APX that's um, my um, health and fitness um uh, my, my health and fitness, um, um, company. And then I'm also working on some music as well, but D Riggins, uh, com. You can find me on social medias as well. Dwan Riggins, that's D W A N Riggins, R I G G I N S. Mm-hmm.
Thank you for tuning in today. And a special thank you to my guest. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button. To learn about the sports performance, rehab, and wellness services provided by Dr. Tierra, please go to www.thetntfect.com. You can also send questions to info at thetntfect.com. And remember, a healthy athlete is a whole athlete.